Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. on WMR.FM. It's the 25th of January, 2024. Only 11 more shopping months till Christmas. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. We are hey, joined. We are joined <laughs> by the um, CEO of Audience Key, Tom Rustling. He's going to be joining us in a few minutes. Um, before we get there, busy week. A lot of stuff happened in in, in the search world. Um, how are you doing? Before we get, before we get in, how are you doing, Christine? How's stuff? All good? I'm good. I'm in Seattle. It's uh, there's sun today for a little bit. Might might actually be a miracle. <laughs> Beautiful sunny Seattle. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's it's been sunny for um, about two hours the last two days. So <laughs> so we'll see if it stays sunny. So yeah, I'm just up here doing some work and stuff. So it's been good. And uh, I go home tomorrow. So. Got to spend some time at the first Starbucks, which isn't really as exciting as you think it would be. Um, and then I uh, did the uh, the Pike but Market with the, the fish throwing and the gum wall. So I was going to say I, the first Starbucks is just around the corner from the Great Gum Wall, I, which is all it's cracked up to be. I, you know what? I know people are disgusted by the idea of the gum wall, but it's actually kind of pretty and gross all at the same time. And for those who don't know. There's a literally an entire alley going up about 10 feet where people stuck their gum and it's called the gum wall. And, uh, and there, the pictures are, you know, it's pretty, they get pretty stuff. It smells like uh, juicy fruit, the whole area, but it is people's gum from their mouth. So it's, it's gross all at the same time. <laughs> you, 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 you might be surprised that many drunk um, SMX advanced revelers one year learned it also tastes like juicy fruit. <laughs> oh no, 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 they didn't. No. Truth. No. Sad, sad truth. (laughs) I'm not mentioning any names, but you all know who you were, and I'm sure you're all as ashamed of yourself as I am. How did I miss miss that one? For those who don't know, SMX is a conference that has been virtual the last few years, but used to be held in Seattle. So, uh, but from Search Engine Land, right? Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) Oh, that's so gross. I'm so grossed out now. Well, okay. So every time you look at the bubblegum wall from now on, Oh, I know. I remember that night. Okay. Um, start off with some kind of shocking news. And this is kind of amazing. So there was a massive data breach reported by uh, some of the big data houses, Twitter, LinkedIn, Dropbox, um, and others. Now, here's here's the heavy thing. Um, 26 billion records were exposed oh, and billion with a big b this billion. is on this is on a planet with eight billion people living on I'm, it and maybe I'm, only mobile we're gonna guess charitably five and a half to six billion internet users 26 billion records so many people had multiple personal records i'm um, exposed um largest breach of all time uh vast data trove amounting to 12 terabytes 
sensitive personal details, um, name, social security number, address, all the whole the whole shebang. So yeah. you're probably going to be getting at least one uh, compliance, I mean, warning letter um, sent out for legal compliance purposes. And if you do, take it very seriously. Check your credit report. Um, check with the credit bureaus. Mm, and, you know, in extreme cases, uh, maybe check with your credit card company. And you can, there is a way to um, check if you were affected. Um, I'm looking at the platforms I just mentioned, which is in all the platforms. Twitter, LinkedIn, Dropbox. I have all three. So yeah. uh, you definitely want to check. Well, who it doesn't? Find out. Yeah. I check out, check if, uh, if you've been, you know, if you've been uh, compromised and immediately change your passwords. So that is the first thing you can do. But apparently they got a lot of personal data because sometimes these leaks don't have a lot of personal data. But apparently in this one, there is significant per personal data, which will allow people to do, like you said, you know, like fraudulent. Uh, 26 billion personal files. There's, and again, only 8 billion people on earth. I'm going to tell you, some personal data got went missing. Yeah, yeah. So, so freaking, and the compromised records were from multiple sources. So it's kind of... Some including government sources. Yeah. So again, be, just again, just like, we don't know a lot about this. It's just report came in from Business Insider, making you aware of it, please. Um, especially, I and mean, it's for a lot of people who run agencies. If you're carrying a whole bunch of client money on your agency credit card, check your agency credit card for God's sake. Gosh, um, on your Facebook password, that's someone one night in the middle of the night I was on their account and someone tried to do twenty thousand dollars worth of ads in like ten minutes. There you go. Anywhere where yeah. there's a high volume spend and a lot of money transferring. That's where they try to hide fraud. So, and if and if you want to know how this happened, the database was unsecured, which means it was not there was no security protections around it. Now, how many class actions can there possibly be for oh unsecured data in this world? There must, I, I, you uh, know, what I bet you, I bet you there's twenty six billion of them. <laughs> twenty six okay. billion, yeah. We got Tom sitting in the green room. I really want to be conscious of that because yes. I think. Definitely. He's our sponsor. We don't want him to wait. Um, oh, he's okay. awesome, and his tool is awesome. So, but before we get to Tom, I got to ask you a quick question: sure. Are you worried, as an SEO, about the impact of uh, Google's search generative experience? So, I saw this poll, and I've also seen people write constantly about how it's going to impact you. First of all, we have no idea how it's going to impact you because they're running tests, and that mm -hmm. means, like, when they say it's on eighty percent of queries, because they're running tests. So they're going to run as many tests on as many site searches as possible. I mean, Google searches as possible. So if it comes in with the expanded model, yes, I would be terrified how much it's going to destroy sites. But you and I both also know from reporting every week that Bing has gotten no increase in Mercantero. I mean, it's like less than 1% from adding this to their search. Uh, so does Google see that it might be not worth it to jeopardize their ad money because not only ads on Google, but also who's going to pay for ads if they have no more money because you have put their uh, the number one ranking at 2000 pixels down the page, right? So I have a feeling that Google is maybe shifting. And in fact, there's even some talk, uh, this is just from people inferring, so it's not said by Google yet, but that they might not even use SGE as in search, like they may use it in labs, but not search and generate other things from it. But right now, I did get a test today, Getch, and I think it's probably one of, not the final test, but one of the final tests because um, there's gradation, there are lines, there are, the button is shaped a certain way. So that means they've done a lot of testing on those to determine which 
to put in there. Uh, so um, it's small. It's at the top. You barely notice it. So this but is what you did, a, you did. You did a search, and you got a what you say is a fine. What you think is a finer iteration of one of the final test, I don't think it's uh, the test final. panel. Yeah, I don't think it's one of the, the final. I just think it's one of the final. But yeah, so uh, so because it has gradation, and we know how. Remember the the story about how, how long it took to do a blue button, and they had like something like what eighty blue buttons to turn. You know. You know what, Marissa? Those those are old, the old uh, Marissa Mayer perfection horror stories. But I, in yes. in in her defense, she was right. <laughs> um, <laughs> all, for oh, Google, go with the with 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 the size of their user base, a half a percentage point, one way or another, is a sizable amount of people. This is very true. Uh, I just think that with the amount of uh, how final this one looks, how clean it is and how it's been implemented they even used a different font that this is a one of the final tests yeah. but it's very small i mean it's but probably 50 pixels tall is it safe to say then you are or are not concerned about well, uh the impact of sge if it's 50 pixels tall sitting there at the very top of the page i think people will have blindness to it and really not interact with it all that much let's you understand what it is uh, could it cause a problem? Sure, if they're expanding the generative AI all the time. But I also have a, a own theory that when it's wrong more than once or twice, you're going to stop using it because it's going to be wrong because it's a large language model and it's going to hallucinate uh, that people will not be as impressed with it. So we'll see. Uh, but it is looking much more final right now. I'm even seeing bubble buttons and things like that. So. Right now, I would say I'm mildly worried because I don't know what's going to yeah. happen next or how it's going to look. More importantly, and I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been jazzing on this for the last couple of weeks. Give me a little bit of certainty that I can affect an outcome in SGE that my work can um, be meaningful to my clients and, and actually draw them. Um, relevant uh, uh site visitors show me a direct line for that and i'll stop worrying about sge and just start adapting to it happily because <laughs> that's the evolution that's the evolution and that's again why i'm why i'm so so i'm um, enamored with the concept of a things you might like carousel i'll tell you as an seo though the reason i'm i'm less worried about the ai and en enabled future a couple of years ago, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, I still have my chops as content SEO, absolutely. But a couple of years ago, I started, I decided that it might be wise to start focusing on web pages again, how the web page works um, with Google, technical SEO. And I really think that the key to being a successful search engine optimization specialist moving into the future is absolutely understanding um how JSON, how schema, how um, we are using um, machine languages now to inform, um, well, to inform other machines. Um, I think having, you know, being able to craft a technically good website or a technically proficient website is going to be the major key moving forward to, uh, to providing the data feeds that are really going to be necessary to create a differentiated uh, environment with artificial intelligence or a different differentiated product with uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, I agree. And I, I would also say that uh, since we 
So one thing for people to be careful of, though, is there's a whole bunch of articles out there like how to rank for SG, how to do this for SG. We don't know because they're running tests. <laughs> we don't know because they're running tests. They are not taking the top 100 results and writing the SG from that. In fact, it comes from a whole different process. Uh, on being 100%, we know what it is. They told us, Orchestrator and Prometheus, and they ground the results in like something they choose, but it doesn't come from their top 10 results. Uh, so right now, it's not to here's how to you don't know how to rank because we don't know what they're doing yet. They're just testing. So every test is a different set of tests, and that means it could be a visual test. It could be a functional test. So until they say, this is launched, and this is what it is, uh, don't put too many grains of salt into applying what you read as far as what you do with SG, because we just don't know yet. I'm mildly worried because we don't know yet, like you said. I'm also very cognizant of the fact that Google cannot destroy its ad revenue, and it knows that because 85% of Alphabet, not just Google, still runs on ad revenue. Oh, so, so you can't kill the sites that pay for the ads, and you can't kill the search that shows the ads. So they're going to have to find a way to do it where it doesn't do either, which I'm hopeful means the impact will be fairly minimal. In some areas it may be significant, like e-commerce or you know products, but for informational and the other types of search, I'm hoping that it'll be minimal. Right now, what I'm seeing is so small on the page, I think people will just skip it for the most part. However, um, AI gets used by Google and by and by big moving forward. Um, there's no questioning that AI has become um, an oft used, if not an essential tool in uh, or essential component to uh, tool in people's work lives and a component in many, many, many other tools. Um, did you hear about uh, um, Sports Illustrated just laid off its entire like writer staff? Probably no. for AI. Um, How did AI, I hear that? AI I hear that. Happened over the weekend. Um, similarly, I feel, I feel there's another publication, a really well-known publication that uh, National Geographic, I think, laid off its entire writing staff again for AI. Oh, dangerous. So, so dangerous. And, and now... Now we have examples of Google ranking AI-generated content over uh, news, original news written by um, human hands, uh, and that led yeah. to a question that, um, that 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 Danny covered, um, Danny fielded: um, Is Google boosting AI-generated content above real journalism? Danny's answer is no, but search engines might rank some news articles over others for algorithmic reasons for um any number of reasons but that is ai content or not isn't among them yeah they're not artificially boosting AI content that would just be kind of silly um no I think absolutely that, not yeah it'd just be kind of silly um but you know google search first of all we've talked about search quality has gone down and researchers have said that spam is way up we but we see that in our own day-to-day search as search professionals and just people who search. So I just think that uh, Google's broken right now. It's a big part of it. Uh, also, the document relevance model we've talked about before, we th I think personally, they amplified the query to text relationship over like ranking signals. So uh, that would be really good for spammers, you know, really good for people who write content because spammers are really good at optimiza optimization for queries. Not you know, that all content writers are spammers, mind you. No, <clears> no. <throat> you know, no, no, I'm, I'm saying the opposite. Sometimes, I'm saying someone like you will write, and you'll add keywords to it and optimize. But your main goal isn't to optimize for keyword queries, right? The main goal of a spam site 
is to totally optimize for keyword queries. So when you had ranking signals that would devalue them, that was, you know, strong, then this is my theory, you wouldn't have that problem as much. But because it amplified the text model that happens after the ranking signals are applied, um, and that's the final sort, now the people that match so well to the query are the spammers because that is all they do. They create content from your content that has all the keywords in it. So, I mean, this is not new, though, issue. I mean, we've had problems with spinners forever. You well, know, spinners and, and incidentally, it's very it. likely Google's not going to stick on this track. No. Um, they're, I mean, Google's not in the business of, of entirely um, producing bad results. Um, at least they don't, wish, they don't wish to be in that business. But there is some great merit to... Uh, 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 trying to match uh, keyword intent with user intent. Um, whether Google's uh, cross that threshold or not, I don't know. But I think it's a really good segue to bring in Tom Rustling from Audience Key because Audience Key helps you understand user intent in a whole bunch of different ways um, and user behavior, um, and, and as well as understanding uh, keyword, uh, uh, what, what keyword, which is impact, impactful. You know what? We should have Tom Rustling explain what 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 uh, <laughs> audience key is doing the person owns the product tells what it does yeah Tom, it's really well, cool welcome back yeah. to webcology hey thanks jim hey christine thanks for having hey. me back, guys um okay so i tried i'm trying really hard to uh uh make a humorous segue into the use of ai and ai augmented writing and content and it's hard to do because it's a Really controversial subject right now, especially in not a joking creators. manner. It's just not a joking matter. No. So, how are you <laughs> finding uh, working with AI in your product and trying to try to incorporate it in, into content creation? Uh, we are purely using AI for the pre-writing process mm -hmm. and the outlining, um, and sometimes some initial like seed writing, but generally we're. I would say what the final output is almost entirely, you know, human handcrafted created. Well, that was my next question. You're oh. you're giving your audience um, AI augmented features or your audience, your, your users, how are they using them? Um, we're really using uh, with audience key, it starts a lot with organizing your keywords and your content architecture and doing that kind of mapping process. And um, a lot of people speak about doing keyword mapping, but the fact is, in my experience, most people I speak with aren't doing it proficiently and it's because it's, it's too arduous and hard without software that makes that faster. Once you have that mapping done, that's where I think the AI and some of the prompting that you can do really helps, again, create that pre-writing strategy and outline um, and clustering and that type of thing. That the goal is to really hand that then over uh, to a writer so that there's clarity and organization of the thought using the keyword research, not just to put keywords into your content, but more like help you get into the headspace of your audience and how they're looking for things and what type of phrasing they're using and so you can really speak to that in an organized way. And something cool that your tool does on, your, on these new reports that you have running, but is uh, 
it will monitor, tell me if I'm wrong, because I could get this wrong, uh, but it will monitor your URL for changes that also are mapped to keywords, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, so that's, yeah, go ahead. I think it's really cool. That's, I think, um, a big differentiator is uh, there's reporting, but then there's actually reporting against your strategic plan. And once you've actually taken a large keyword data set and organized that through mapping, you can then start to compare thinking of mapping like your ideal strategic outcome. These are the keywords and this is the specific page that should be ranking for this cluster of terms. That's your strategic goal. The What is actually ranking, what the ranking URL is, is your current <laughs> reality, right? <laughs> and it's interesting when you can take your reporting and juxtapose those two things and see, okay, how much, how am I ranking? How my ranking changes uh, have I increased? But also, is it the page that I was expecting to, or is it different? So a couple of the reports that we've uh, been working on and, and come out with very recently that I wanted to talk to really is around that idea. And Google Dance is hyper-accelerated lately. I'm sure everyone is <laughs> paying attention to this. I've, I mean, it's always been present, but it just seems to, it's it's on steroids right now. Um, for those who don't know, sorry, real quick, the original Google Dance was when Google had servers that had to update, and you would watch your site change rankings on the servers as it went through. So that's not this now, but it's definitely very similar in how it presents itself. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what we're seeing is um, a couple things, a lot of ranking volatility. And um, so if you have your, <clears throat> your map page and you can compare that to what page is ranking, that's an interesting insight. And you can see where um, we're able to create a, a filter that just very quickly identifies where all the keywords that are matching your mapped and your ranking are the same or where they've changed. And that's like a very early indication of Google being confused. There's some, you know, keyword cannibalization going on. And so we've taken that uh, matching mismatching filter report and then we've added to it <clears throat> and created um, a, a kind of a, a blurring count, if you will. And what this does is with kind of, you know, click of one button, you can look at all your keywords and then sort which ones have had more than one different ranking URL for the same keyword over the last, let's say 10 ranking reports, if you're looking at that on a weekly basis, which is standard. And you can start to see um, keywords that have had more than one ranking URL, and then you can sort it and be, and it's super interesting. The moment we came out with this report just a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, we have data sets with 25, 30, 35,000 keywords we're tracking. And all of a sudden it just surfaces right to the top. There are keywords that in the last 10 ranking reports had seven different ranking URLs. Uh, and that immediately lets you hone in on where you've got some, some real uh, kind of blurring and dancing going on in that cannibalization. And you're blurring and dancing. Like it sounds like a new, a new EDM song. Well, this, this, this is a real gem of a tool um, when you think about the energy that 
much. I don't I don't like using the, the term page rank. That's that's such an archaic term, but there is definitely a value assigned to um, any given page against the, uh, the the keyword query that that, that, the, that the user is entering and that value is affected by how many other pages also in, in your domain also are going to uh, place for that, that 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 same query the pages that are placing post page one page two page three page eight page page nine they're taking energy away from your actual target page and so to be able to see where the cannibalism is happening and the effect of it, like a, a, a graphic effect of it, I think is, is invaluable for webmasters. Well, and I'll give an example of this a little different. And this isn't Tom's tool, but internally, when I worked at this big company, they built something similar. Uh, but this is how useful it was, which was awesome. Uh, we found out we, we were ranking number one for a, the term sneakers, right? And suddenly... The tool tells us we are no longer ranking number one for the tool sneakers, uh, for the word sneakers. We are now number 10 or 20 or something. We're like, oh my gosh, what happened? And we went to the page and found out marketing took sneakers off the page and changed it to a brand name that so, they liked better. And so we no longer said sneakers on the page. So so we fixed it and we fixed it fast enough that Google just gave us immediately back all the ranking. So it's a really good way to identify an issue really quickly is super helpful. And I, I've never seen a regular SEO tool work. This was an internal tool built by engineers and data scientists at the company. Um, so I find, I think this will be immensely helpful. I also want to add to that real quick. Uh, I think it'd be really helpful for helpful content update evaluation identification. So if you see Tom's tool and you see a bunch of pages just went down for keywords, right? Um, not the keyword cannibalization, but the one where it shows you your URL has dropped. Uh, then you can go check those pages and see what's wrong with them because the helpful content update applies because of bad pages, but applies to the whole site at the same time. But the pages that they wanted to get rid of would be lower than anything else, would drop more quickly and further. So uh, anyway, so I think it's also a great tool for identifying issues when it comes to something like a helpful content update. Well, if actually, if I could just jump in really quickly, now, now that Christine mentions it, Tom, Helpful content. That must that, that must be a conversation uh, conversation piece around the office. Um, how do you all feel about it? <laughs> it sure is, and I think it's tying a lot into that that Google Dance, you know, accelerated Google Dancing that we're talking about. Uh, I'll touch upon that that second um, big report uh, advancement that we've launched, and uh, kind of refer to it as our URL movement report. And I'll just back up and and say we for years had a keyword movement report and I see this in other tools too. It's helpful, it's basic. It's let me look at two different date periods and see which keywords have moved up or down the most. You know, and let me compare date A versus date B for this keyword. Um, and we've used that to identify volatility, but we always wanted to really see, I don't wanna look at a keyword, I wanna look at a page. And so what we were able to do is create a report it lets me look at, first of all, you, you might map 20, 30, 40 keywords to a page. Now I want to aggregately look at how that group of keywords has performed in, you know, you know, the most recent date and compare it to where was it a month ago or three months ago or whatever time period you want. And then select, do I want to look at just my top, 
you know, top three ranking keywords? Do I want to look at all like the top 10 or my striking distance? You can slice and dice this in seconds and get these comparisons and suddenly see which pages have moved up or down by the aggregate group of keywords associated to them. Yeah. And that has unlocked just the the speed at which we can see these issues surfacing. It's unprecedented. And so now that segues into the helpful content stuff. And again, seeing a lot of volatility. Uh, this is at least helping us diagnose and have a really efficient way to see where the big changes are happening. And I think that's that's the point of of reporting is to find those indicators. Now we have to look at the problem in all the different lenses of what do we need to do to solve it, right? So. You must have um, clients coming to you, uh, blog, writer, blog writers, the, uh, the whole content SEO sector has been turned on its head since, since September. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the concerns that, 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 that your clients are sharing with you and some of the problems that they want you to solve? Again, just um, after the, 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 in the last six months of like frequent algo updates. <clears throat> um, it has been a lot of volatility. There's a lot of, I think, confusion from clients who are not spending, you know, all day, all week on SEO, trying to understand where uh, authorship and, EAT factors come in. There's a lot of market confusion there. And they're they're sometimes confusing that with what the helpful content updates are. So um that said, what what I'm seeing is I'm putting more and more of a premium on information architecture and how content is organized on a site and how it's interconnected and related with your internal linking and your thematic siloing and that type of thing. It seems to me, and this is more the, the hunch I'm, I'm following and my team is following right now is looking at how much more of a factor that can be, uh, especially when we're looking at large, heavy media oriented content sites that um, maybe don't have real strong taxonomy and organization. Yeah, that is, sorry. Yeah. Um, so that, that is a huge problem. Um, the last five, six years has been this okay. sort of flat URL structure. Um, somebody somebody said the less hops Google has to make to get to the uh, the product level of of your platform, the better you're going to do. And I don't know. I'm not. I dislike the flat structure. I very much like a uh, a, a robust uh, uh, and an explanatory um, like uh, like site structure and 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 overall taxonomy. Um, mm -hmm. This might be a really basic question, and probably is, but it's the kind of thing I just think uh, webmasters need to be not only reminded of, but reminded that there are tools that help them from the get go. If I wanted to build a site, a website from scratch. Would you be able to help me? Would you be able to help me keep track of how I'm naming files, naming folders, building out the keywords that make this website? So, is the question how would you go about doing that, or 
no how would i okay. how would i go about using audience key optimally to to um not only do it but do it right sure. let's say let's say i come to you tom and i say i want to use your tool onboard me what would be the process there so if you're in a situation where let's say you're starting from scratch like building a, a brand new site or you want to just completely start with a clean slate and rebuild a site and think about how you're going to organize that. Um, that's where, and this isn't an audience key thing. I think this is a keyword mapping thing that's really helpful, but you can do all this in spreadsheets. It's simply that at the end of the day, having software that helps you do this, especially in a collaborative environment, makes it so much faster and more effective. But what you really want to do is it's, it's an iterative process. And that's the most important thing I can relate to anybody. You start to aggregate a huge amount of keywords and you can start to map them to the most simplest high level grouping of topics. And don't, don't be too concerned about what those are, but you'll end up having three, four, five, six, hundred, a thousand keywords kind of mapped to like a high level page. And once you've kind of exhaustively done that keyword research, you can start segmenting and you'll find subtopics inside of there. And you can start now mapping to specific subpages inside of that. And that's that taxonomy where you have a parent, child, even, uh, you know, category, subcategory, sub subcategory. You can do that same thing with resource content or anything that's evergreen. Um, and so once, once you do that, you keep iterating and uh, filtering and segmenting further and further and getting more and more granular. And now you start to have these clusters and subclusters, a very clear organization, and you understand how you're going to have each page supporting the other pages and working together with each other rather than unintentionally cannibalizing and blurring. And with that said, you have those those keywords are going to be very clear indicators of how people are looking for information. And that becomes important for how you're going to use uh, your file naming, uh, your page titles, all those basic important SEO things. And then also, Tom, you have the ability to help people rectify some of the issues in Shopify, correct? And some other sites too, but I know Shopify is like the large one, large platform. Sure. With the uh, on the edge software, correct? Because I always yeah. love this because I've worked with Shopify and just creating URL structures is so difficult. Right. So in any closed end system, Shopify is a good example um, where let's say you do put an importance on uh, taxonomy. And right now, you can really only create, let's say, on the category level, you can create a collection page. There's some slight hacks you can do, but generally, it's very difficult to make subcategory pages in Shopify that are effective. Um, and now, this, this can be done with any closed-end system, but we've kind of enhanced audience keys so it can also act as a publishing mechanism and publish out into uh, the edge which is a lot of what people are referring to. Essentially, you can use a CDN. Cloudflare is probably the most widely used example. And you can start to manipulate in, uh, URL structures, add elements to pages that don't exist, do all kinds of things 
without actually touching the origin server code. And so Meaning with Shopify, no developers. With, I'm sorry. <laughs> Meaning bypassing developers, which is you can bypass the developers. So we have enterprise companies where they're in a, a giant monolithic system and doing silly things like updating a title tag or adding a content element to a page suddenly requires a dev ticket and you know marketers can't be marketers. Yeah. So um that type of edge technology becomes this incredibly interesting uh way to solve around uh blockers and barriers. And so in the Shopify example we've done that with larger commerce sites where they really needed to have a clear taxonomy and category, subcategory and sub subcategory pages. And we can use audience key to actually organize, delineate that URL structure, and then create edge publishing that will essentially create a whole new area of the site and do things that, uh, a closed end system sometimes like Shopify doesn't let you naturally do. Well, not it's only so can, valuable. Well, check, check this out. Not only can they do that, if 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 I understand properly, you can also like um create content for different personas, different um uh, people at different uh places in their buying cycle or the funnel or different places in the buying funnel. Um uh, audience key will help uh, create like on the fly content for you know as you said changing titles and tags based on um, uh, uh, more successful more successful performance metrics. Um, what I'm curious though is how does it report these successes back to back to the webmaster? Well, I think that's the interesting part. Uh, some of this edge stuff that I'm speaking of, you can do with almost like any type of a of a headless CMS. We've essentially facilitated audience key out of its each page's content brief to act as a as a headless CMS. What the really interesting thing that this does though is you can use audience key to organize what are the pages that I actually need to create. Or what things on the pages that I already have do I want to integrate additional content inspired by the keyword research and other things? And now you've got all those keywords mapped to those pages that you're now creating with Edge. And you can start to see the performance with the keyword tracking. So essentially, you're using it to create a strategy, implement the strategy, publish to the Edge in the case we're talking about, and you have all the uh, rank tracking and performance metrics tied right into your publishing mechanism. So it's all in one place. And now you've got reporting strategy and implementation all connected. And you can clearly see what's working or what's not working. The other awesome thing to do with Edge, especially in larger enterprise type systems, is you can start to do testing basically A-B testing at an SEO level. So let's say I have a common template and maybe it has in larger sites, a more programmatic approach to title tags, meta descriptions, H1s, et cetera. Well, you can go and start to overwrite a subgroup of those pages, testing with different strategies of how you, you know, publish those types of content elements. And then you can track 
how you know that goes up or down and then you can you can easily tag or attributize those certain pages and then create very quickly reporting kind of ab comparisons on how you know the test pages did how they progressed it went up or down and how they do compared to your baseline that didn't change so the testing mechanisms you can do with edge uh get super interesting too and also super helpful. I'd also say that with all these like very great features, and I know you're a sponsor, but we're not saying this because you're a sponsor. I actually really think your tool is great. I've had you talk with clients about it. People probably think it's going to cost them like thousands of dollars a month to run it. So your tool runs generally uh, for like small, like say small, mid-large, just a general cost. Mm -hmm. I know it doesn't cost that much to run it. You have like a million pages or something. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we have, we have kind of a light version of this that runs at $39 a month. $39. Um, I thought yeah. it was higher. So that's even better than I thought. Well, yeah. that's, you know, if you, yeah. you know, yeah. for kind of, I think that's useful for small, small sites, small blogs, or, you know, people that want to use it for a, a certain section of a site or just kind of test it out. Um, our standard kind of pro level uh, is $179 a month. And uh, that that's including tracking up to three thousand keywords um, on the ranking basis, and or managing up to fifteen hundred uh, content briefs. And that's nice. smoking cheap for for, yeah, for that's the, how robust the tool is. It, it, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's it's definitely um, priced to you know for adoption. Um, and as you get into some of those edge things. Um, I just want to be clear, like there's always programming. You have to you have to do some creative things and some template creation with Cloudflare workers and stuff. Um, so that's a little more bespoke, but um, all that can be done with our with our enterprise system. Um, and uh, and that that goes up a little bit in price, but we're pretty flexible, too. So for the people that are interested and they want to, you know, come to audiencekey.com fill out a form, uh, happy to have a conversation, see how we can um, help them solve some of these implacable problems. For for a newer business person, when looking at these price points, um, five, approximately $550, $600 a month, uh, 550 is what, is what uh, 549 is what audience he has listed for their enterprise. Uh, mm -hmm. If that's less than a day of my billing, and if it takes me an entire day to figure out um, the gajillion and one things that audience key will do in um, seconds, um, you've made your money back in those seconds. Not only that, you've got the rest of the day to do other stuff with, with us as, as your SEO team, rather than having us brain through or prepare the spreadsheets ourselves or do all the stuff that we used to have to do by hand just a few years ago. Um, so that price point might seem of the highest of the price points might seem really high, but honest to goodness, that's less than the cost of a very good SEO for one day. And also let's talk about the fact the amount of time you save with the, on the edge part of it. Yeah. Keeping that portion because I'm not waiting for developers, which also are going to cost way more than being implemented by Tom's group, but uh, waiting for them to get it into their, their plan. So if I say to a developer, I need X, Y, Z done. If they don't see the value of it overall for the site, even though as an SEO, I think it's very valuable. They're going to put it 
far down the plan, maybe six months, maybe nine months, maybe 12 months. So you're going to have to wait that long to get the benefit. And so you're not getting the visibility in search or maybe the click-through value from search, something that you're trying to fix uh, for that period of time, especially if you're a large enterprise group. So well, it saves, saves you a lot of time that way. I, I will bet that the two people I'm speaking with have had the same experience I've had being in the SEO industry for a couple decades. And over the years, I've lost some big clients because we had a great strategy, a great plan that they didn't have the resources to execute. Yeah. And at some point it's like, what are we paying you for? Cause we can't get it done. And it's usually the largest clients where this happens and those obviously hurt the most. So, um, and this is honestly why we built this was in a couple situations, we knew what needed to be done and it couldn't be done by the organization. And this became some creative ways to bypass dev queues or just get past technical blockers, especially, as I said, with these more enterprise level monolithic uh, sites that often don't even really have a true content management system integrated into them. Very this, good point. Uh, this pricing is on a uh, domain by domain basis. Um, okay. what, what do you do with it? What, what, what do you get an organization, a, uh, an agency or something that has like um, 20, 20, 20 or 30 clients that, that they're footing at the same time? Do you have, are you, you're able to negotiate uh, rates with them or? Yeah, we do. And we even have that on our pricing page, but we have an agency program where we essentially allow um the agency to group the total number of keywords allocated for tracking, and they can allocate that flexibly across um, multiple different projects. And then we have a, a much lower uh, per new domain uh, cost for that. Thinking about each unique domain is its own project. So um, yeah, it's, it's set up really uh, to be super agency friendly. And, uh, and allow agencies to, to run 10, 15, 20 different projects. And usually where they start is like, yeah, let's see if we can do this with one or two. <clears throat> and we invite people like do that, get used to it. And once that starts, you start to see the power of it. It's pretty apparent that you want to move all your programs over that way. And we make that cost effective for the agency. So basically your tool takes a bunch of tools you pay separately for and have to manage separately, or even if you're just using spreadsheets, pulls that all together, allows you to also monitor uh, URLs that drop and keyword cannibalization while additionally giving you the potential to do edge changes, which saves you money, time development. Did I miss anything? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good <laughs> summary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just that, that it's $39 light. <laughs> No, I appreciate that. Just that cannibalization report, for example, or that URL movement, we we used to uh, to try and really figure out what pages had you know gone up or down and and look at it in different periods of time. You could you could seriously spend half a day doing some crazy Excel like you know concatenations and view lookups and comparisons and this and that to get these insights. So back to I think a, a point Jim made. It is true. Uh, the amount of time you're saving. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. Oh yeah, definitely. T time and money and, and time for changes to help give, bring you in money. Cause right. you know, 
Yeah, but uh, but also not even just with the edge portion, but with the ability to see things so quickly and easily, like that internal tool that we had that showed us that the page dropped, traffic dropped, and we found out it was for sneakers, and we could we fixed that in like half a day. Normally, we'd have to go through all this research and we'd have to try to figure out what happened, and it might be two, three, four, five days. So at that point, we just got our traffic immediately back from Google because they assumed it was basically an accident that there was a miss at the company. So uh, I think that that's also extremely valuable, not just um, time savings other ways, but the fact that you'll be much faster in diagnosing issues and much faster to respond to those issues. And keyword cannibalization is a huge one that most people don't even know is happening on their site. So I think it's just hugely useful. I can give you a very real-time example where this was used this week. There was a company with one of their most probably valuable pages on the entire site, large, large site. And it went through a redesign. They removed a bunch of the FAQ content. Oh, oh. And we could see a trend that was clear of a, a bunch of those kind of top 10 rankings going down. And so first we identified that, then we went back and, oh yeah, there was this change that was made and cosmetically they, they really enhanced the look and feel of the page, but they had lost some of the stuff that was really working for them. So not only could we see the rankings go down, but then we could see that a bunch of those keywords that used to be in that top 10 had lowered their rankings, but it was a different URL that was starting to pick that up that it basically assumed, but with weaker support, those keywords. And so that was kind of the magic. It identifies not just like, oh, your rankings are going down, but what now, what is that cannibalization that's happening? What pages are kind of coming in and and picking up, but at a lower, at a lower level. And it clearly shows not just we got to get the FAQs back, but exactly what should those FAQs be sure to be covering on the oh, content. That's great. Yeah, yep. that's huge. Well, sure. I mean, another another example. I have I have a a couple of ecom clients. Uh, one of whom is definitely having issues with with keyword cannibalization, and they work really hard to create effective product pages that are you know, if you go there, it'll it should give you the information you need to, you know, make your make your purchase decision. But if if the user say one of one of five users is being referred to a different page one that isn't the intended target um that's you know that's a sizable amount of traffic that is not going to the optimal offering it's money on the table right yeah, very much so definitely so tom we've had you on the show a couple of times and I've, I've asked you a variation on this question before but i'm always really interested in uh SEO in SEO practitioners who've become tool makers because there's this push me pull me effect push me pull you mm-hmm. effect between technology and how SEOs um, do their daily tasks new technology will change how we practitioners do things but it won't change until we're introduced to the new technology you must face this issue a number of times. We can introduce a new feature or we can introduce a, a new method of looking at data, but and it'll be better for the community, but the community doesn't do it that way yet. 
How often does that happen to you? It's a great question. It's, I think our biggest challenge is we have that same issue that I would imagine if you're running a project management software. It's, it's not really the cost of the software, it's the cost of the adoption. And the adoption means getting an organization to change habits or do something in a different way than they're accustomed to. So that, that I think is the biggest challenge that we face is, is getting, let's say agencies or internal teams to start to learn, you know, here's a different way to do this and here's all the benefits but until they start doing it, usually I think we've solved a lot of problems that people don't know they're going to have. And part of that is that that whole keyword mapping process, I sound like a broken record, but um, the amount of groups that I've spoken to that say they're doing it and then we get into the brass tacks and they're not, and they're not doing it because it's just, it's slow and arduous and it gets, um, difficult to manage across multiple stakeholders when you're doing this stuff in spreadsheets and disconnected Google Docs and point tools and that type of thing. So um, getting people to uh, experience that and take those first steps seems to be as, you know, as a software tool, the, the hardest thing. And then it's amazing. Small amount of time into that and you get them that aha moment. And, and that's when the adoption really, I think, happens a lot more quickly. Is there a more efficient way to introduce your tool to um, to users um, than a free demo? Because you, you offer free demos, you will sit and you'll talk with anybody at length about how Audience Key works. You'll you'll take appointments, you'll, you'll, you'll contact them when you're on the road from an airport if it makes a sale. Are there more efficient ways to do the demonstration? A ton of things we could be doing better. Yes. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is how can um, your users or your potential users help you demo the product to them? I guess that's the real question I was trying to ask. So I'm trying to understand the question. How well, could they help? SEOs, you want to use this product. Mm -hmm. Tom, you're only you and your you and your team are only a small number of people. Mm -hmm. SEOs, you want to use this product. Um, how can you get? I'm, I'm trying to think of how uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to ask you to describe to SEOs how they can um, start using the start start using the free trial and then parlay that into a working account. I see what you're asking for sure. Yeah, so getting set up is pretty quick let's say you haven't even you know done really a keyword mapping process offline like in a spreadsheet let's just say you're starting from scratch um pick your tool choice but it can be as simple as starting with google search console grab all your keywords that are relevant that search console is reporting and start from there uh you can put those into our system uh with a with a, just a csv upload if you want in a matter of a couple minutes. And then from there, where I think it gets more interesting is you start to mine competitor data and use uh, SpyFu, Ahrefs, SEMrush, pick your pick your poison. 
And uh, you can start to look at pages or sections or entire sites and start to mine their keyword information. And again, it's as simple as getting getting those like those lists and bringing and then just bringing that into the system. Um, I'll I'll say that we have uh, some features rolling out uh, probably towards the end of Q1, which is going to do a lot of automation for bringing in uh, competitive research and keywords as well in a more automated way. But any, any way we can do just to get the data in and good keyword research is, I think, about coming from multiple angles and multiple sources. And then this being the place where you aggregate all that data and then organize and turn data into strategy and strategy into implementation and implementation into measurement. Okay, you just gave us a hint of new um, features or, or uh, products that might be might be coming out with uh, in new in future iterations of audience key. Mm -hmm. What else do you got? What else do you guys have in the in the oven? Um. That I think is is one of the big things is just making it easier to onboard and get get the data in. Uh, from there, we're also working on some ways to, um, in addition to the edge publishing, which we do today, um, create some integrations to make it easier to push content that you're strategizing and creating right in the content briefs of our system to actually push that out in an automated way into some of the main content management systems, WordPress being you know, the, the first and obvious one. Um, because I think everyone knows <clears throat> whether wherever you're producing content before it gets published, there's still always that arduous PIA process of getting the data into your CMS and getting it, getting it published. We're um, closing out the hour pretty quickly. Um, this is more of a general question, but as somebody who helps content creators um, plan, map, uh, create, and then um, track that, track the, 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 the productiveness of that content, is there anything in the information environment, in the content environment, in the... Uh, in the the, the, the the business of of making words or video or what have you work together is there anything that that worries you moving forward it's it's such an unprecedented disruptive time right there's uh issues i think of crawl budget as people are getting into no matter what whether you're doing this right or wrong or you know pick your judgment word um, you're going to be competing with people, and this is the history of the SEO industry, who are going to take something and push the scalability and the spamming aspect of it hard and fast, right? And a lot of times these are short-term tactics and they work um, at the peril of people who are trying to play the, the long game the right way. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you have to kind of be looking at that balance between um, doing something that's intentional and well-crafted and high value and hoping that Google continues to figure out um, where to kind of separate the wheat and chaff. But um, 
I'd say that, I don't know if I have a really great answer for you, but these are all like some of, some of the concerns where I think the, um, again, kind of the mapping piece of this becomes even more important is if the speed of content creation implementation and the volume of it is going up, especially the sites that may be aggressive about the number of pages they're creating, that becomes even more important that you understand not how to optimize a page, but how optimizing a page fits into the context of the other hundreds or thousands or name the number of other pages that you're publishing and how all those pieces fit together cohesively as filling in a full puzzle. Okay, thank you. I appreciate. I I, I really appreciated the last part of the answer. Yeah. Um, how um, anything that you're publishing on your site works with the rest of the stuff that you're also publishing um, to create a, a fuller information picture, especially given that um, Google's penchant for site-wide judgments rather than judging the individual document. Um, That's very important. I think you know with. Uh, helpful content really being something that's an, a site-wide aggregate score, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think this is something that is a little bit new to SEOs. Like I, I've seen, um, you could have a, a massive, massive website and um, a couple of months of just dodgy content will take away the gains from years of work on the massive website. Um, and again, the, 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 the speed of which this has happened, I think is a little bit new for SEOs, but it's clearly going to be important moving forward. Um, Christine, we are dead out of time. Last question going to you. Oh, question? <laughs> Do I have a question? <laughs> Tom, what else would you like to tell us if anything about uh, your product going forward? How do you see the future? Well, first, I want to go on record that I am not a juicy fruit gum wall chewer. <laughs> you weren't there that night. <laughs> I am going to have to suss out who these people are. Jim will have to tell me later. <laughs> I, 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 I speak of nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I'm sure they're friends of ours. <laughs> um, no, you're not a juicy fruit gum wall licker, so that's good to know. <laughs> what else yeah. do you want to tell us? Um, other than that, you know, I would just say, I appreciate all the questions and getting a chance to speak to this. I hope maybe it's piqued uh, the interest of some of the, the listeners. There's a lot of different things that our system solves. It gets used in different ways, uh, by different people, but, uh, we're a, we're a self-funded bootstrapped operation that was building things because, it was things we knew we wanted to do and found ways to use technology to do things smarter, faster, better. And rather than hold on to that and maybe build up a, a bigger, you know, agency with some type of um, proprietary technology, we'd rather extend that out to the community. And uh, we think we can, we can do more good that way and help more people. So um, anyone who wants to take a shot, help help a, a company, you know, continue to 
live the dream, build, build the solution. Um, really appreciate anyone's interest in checking it out. And uh, we're very available to uh, have one-on-ones just come to our website and uh, fill out a form or, or schedule a meeting. Yeah. Uh, the website... to... Oops, I'm sorry. I just wanted the... to say something before you go okay. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to test, uh, test to uh, Tom, how long have we known each other? Probably at least a decade. Or yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, Jim and I um, thank, are very thankful for Tom being a sponsor, but we wouldn't have a sponsor where we didn't believe in the product or didn't believe in the company. So as a personal recommendation, I can tell you that Tom is a 100% real deal, awesome guy, and their product is super helpful. I've used it with clients, um, and the clients uh, seem to really like it. And just so you know, if you sign up with Tom, he'll do his uh, best to make sure that you have a really good experience with using Audience Key. That's just a personal recommendation because I've known Tom for so long. So the website is audiencekey.com. Um, you can get in touch with them at hello at audiencekey.com. And uh, yeah, go check it out. Click on pricing uh, or even better, click on the blue box free trial and um, well, Within within the two weeks, you will likely be moving that into a uh, into into a, a more robust account. Tom Wrestling from Audience Key, thank you so much for for spending time with us on uh, Web College Today, and thank you for uh, sponsoring the show. <laughs> we appreciate it. Appreciate everything you guys have done. Thank you, and a great show. Have a have, have a have an amazing time, folks. That was Tom Tom Wrestling from Audience Key. That's audiencekey.com. Um. That was fun. It's always it's always cool having Tom on. Yeah, Tom's a good guy. Uh, I, unfortunately, um, we have news we didn't get to, so I still think we need another hour of the oh, show. We do have <laughs> we do have one more thing I do want to touch on before we go. Okay, um, audience members will have definitely heard uh, in the last week Google has canceled a contract with one of its uh, chief um, third party. Uh, quality raiders groups um thousands of quality raiders uh persons are about to become unemployed um i think it was as of as of march 1st their their contract ends um don't know if that if that means google's laying off their entire live quality raiders guide. no no they're not they're actually replacing Appen. Yeah, or if they're if they're just Twitter, grabbing yeah. another company or not. They um, they're just saying another company right now. They're not saying they're getting rid of anybody. Because there That's you like, go. The SEO world yeah. freaked out last week about this. Chances are yeah. it's not really a freak out. It's just Google choosing a different vendor. Yeah, and um, apparently it's been in the works for a while. It's not it's not even that new. So it seemed like it was new because one of our SEOs, Cyrus, has been working as a quality reader. Well, I, but, just, uh, I don't want to make the joke because I like Cyrus a lot, but you know, people have been claiming complaining about the quality of Google search results. <laughs> it's it's all Cyrus's fault. It's all Cyrus's fault, damn it. You know what's unfortunate is there are a large group of people that do think individual quality raters affect their websites, which they do not. No. Uh, but no, but he was given the notice that Appen was being uh, let go. Okay. And we didn't have anything until, I think it was either late yesterday or early this morning, that Appen was actually being replaced and not that they were removing those quality raters. So yeah, so there you go, folks. Um, now, does that mean that Google's uh, quality is going to improve or decline? As anybody's <laughs> guess, honest to goodness. But um, <laughs> they are not getting rid of the quality raters in general. 
they're just replacing the contracting company. Yeah, and the quality is related to their algorithms, not the quality raters. So. Okay. Last yeah. piece, and this one, I'm only mentioning it because a company I worked with got burned by somebody else's mistake on this. Um, WordPress is releasing two plugins to speed up websites. Yes. One of them is speculation rules, uh, which will pre-render uh, link uh, links in, in, in URLs before a link is clicked. That's really cool in case all those links are contained in Java so that Google can actually see them. The one that really worried me, though, is WordPress auto sizers for lady, lazy loaded image plugin um, using auto side uh, auto size attributes to speed up lazy loading. Check to make sure that none of the images that are inside the initial viewport, the, 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 the area that's seen on screen or in the uh, on your mobile device as the page is loading, make sure none of those objects or uh, images are lazy loaded. Yeah. Google has to fully render your page or Google will not index that page. It has to be able to see the full thing. So it's blocking images that create the page design, not like once you scroll and you have like images below you and on, you know, load well, later. Like group I work that... with, they had a, uh, well, actually it's one of the larger platforms they're using and this platform itself updated, updated itself to try to uh, improve core web vital metrics. And they added lazy loading to every image regardless oh, of where the, everything and yeah. so you know two weeks later here's me going to search console going oh my god what happened you know <laughs> um so so before you have one of those days make sure all the images in the viewport are not lazy loading everything else underneath it should be but the stuff that yeah. it takes for the initial render um got to be got to be visible fast that's it. We've gone around the clock. Actually, we've gone more than around the clock. We've gone around the clock and then some. So apologies to the folks who are coming up next in the studio. Um, but on behalf of uh, Christine Chackager from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You all been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM, recorded live to podcast on the uh, 25th of January, 2024. Special thanks to uh, Tom Russling from Audience Key and Audience Key as our sponsor. But also special thanks to um, Ricky in the... Uh, in the studio, Brasco, the, the overall production manager, Darren and Brandy, and everyone associated with the WMR family of shows. Folks, be kind, be good, uh, rank well, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.